Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 33 of Thrive Deeper. It is I, your host, DJ Payne, and uh, excited that you can be with us on this episode, especially as we are closing in on this history of the Old Testament. We have just finished the book of Nehemiah, and today we turn our eyes towards the prophet Joel. We've gone through the history. Now we see what God is doing on the prophetic side. So after the break, join me and Matthew as we dive into this book. You want to you wanna break open the Bible there, have it open to the book of Joel with you as we go through it in this one episode. Make sure you stick around. I'll be in at the end of the discussion to tell you how you can help us and support us in what we're doing. But right now, the book of Joel on Thrive Deeper. School holidays is upon us. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it, with school holidays? All, all, everything um, is everywhere. Everything goes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you are blessed because you've got both your mum and yeah, your yeah. mother-in-law yeah, that's right. close yeah. by, yeah. babysitters ready to go. Yeah, that's right. Do you still need babysitters? Uh, no, no. We're at that stage now where yeah. we can leave our kids. Really? Yeah. Are the older two able enough to look after yeah. the younger one? Well, they're all under four now, so we can leave them for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, just joking. Because, <laughs> uh, well, our eldest is 15, so uh, 15, 13 and, and 10. So, you know, we're at that stage where we can go out, see a movie, you know, go out for dinner and, and we can leave the kids. And, the, and, the, and Ivy, the youngest, the 10-year-old, is still alive when you come home? She's still alive, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, it's been an absolute fantastic summer while we're recording that. We're in the mm. middle of a gorgeous summer here in uh, Geelong, Victoria, from where we record and mm. where we're based, uh, and uh, in, enjoying some really uh, special holiday times uh, upon us. Now, while we're doing all of that, we are also reading ahead and going ahead and getting all of our minds around this uh, end of the Old Testament period. Mm. We've we've looked at Ezra and Nehemiah. We've seen the seen the uh, you know the exiles return. Yeah. We've seen the highs and the lows of yep. Ezra and Nehemiah. We've seen the history there. We finished mm. off at the end of it, end of Nehemiah. That's sort of based around yep. four hundred and thirty years before Christ. Yep. Yeah. We 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 fin- the history there finishes up about four hundred uh, four hundred BC. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, even a bit possibly later. Possibly as late as that. Yeah. So um, we we really we. we We've come to the end of the Old Testament story in terms of the narratives, and uh, this week uh, we look at some uh, the last of the biblical prophets, yes. uh, Joel and Malachi. Um, Malachi, of course, is the last, and we'll look at Malachi in the next episode. Yes, um, uh, Malachi, of course, is the last uh, of the sort of latest of the biblical prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is th- th- these guys are kind of speaking to these people ar- ar- around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay, so today on this week's episode, we're going to concentrate on the book of Joel, which is just a tiny little 
you know, Book yeah. of Prophecy. Yeah. Uh, take, you know, total maybe 10 or 15 minutes to yeah. read it, yeah, if that. Right. Uh, and so give us a little bit, you know, I, I, and I'm sort of throwing you under the bus here, but what do we know about the, the author, the prophet Joel? Uh, well, uh, not much, yeah. actually, uh, not much. Um, uh, he is uh, he's a sort of shadowy uh, figure. We, uh, you know, it says the Joel son of Pethuel. Uh, his name means Yahweh is God. Um, we only really know what's in the book uh, itself. Um, so, and we and we don't even know for sure when he was actually around. Yeah, now, most. There are some scholars that date him from before the exile. So oh, before, really? Yeah, before 600. But most these days uh, hold to a date after the exile. Now, and the reasons are th- that uh, the exile seems to be, it was clearly treated as a past event. Yes. Um, and I'm not quite sure how uh, how those that date him earlier get around that. But, yeah, it's it seems clear um, that the exile is a past event uh, the conquest of Jerusalem is mentioned. There's no king is mentioned. Um, things like this uh, seem to show that he's somewhere in this period, but we're not sure where. Yeah. Most probably after Haggai and Zechariah, most probably around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, but but we, we, we can't be sure exactly when. Okay. One thing that we definitely know about him, you know, from reading the book, especially if you have some sort of, uh, you know, whether it's a, a paper Bible or a digital Bible yeah. that has the hyperlinks in it or the, or the references to other yeah, scripture, yeah. Joel knows his Bible. Yeah, he no, well, he knows his Bible, but he is also quoting from other prophets. Yeah, massively so. There's allusions to which all, is actually yeah. the first time we've really had that. Yeah, in an actual in an actual prophet, you've got a biblical prophet that's quoting from uh, other prophets. So that's quite um, that's quite remarkable. He, it's, it's almost in one sense reading it again this time, and I'm and, and again, don't, uh, I'm not saying this for sure, but mm. I had a sense with Joel and Malachi reading these two books, especially Joel. Mm. It was almost like these three little chapters sort of sum up, yeah, like a very very overview of what a lot of the prophets' role yeah. was, except for the big the big exclusion. In in it's not really, you know. Saying to a particular king or to to a particular person, mm. you've got to you've, you're doing this sin. He doesn't sort of have that. It's yeah. just this general. Yeah, because of course Malachi does uh, yes. does that as we'll as we'll see in the next episode. But but there's nothing specific in Joel. What what specifically occasions his prophecy uh, is is this locust plague that there has been this locust plague. Yes. And of course, that has everyone thinking locust plague. Uh, think back Egypt curses yep. on Egypt. Yep. Um, and uh, and he answers that it's not that he doesn't directly say this is happening because God is angry or, or because th- th- there are issues, but he does. I mean, this is a really interesting point. Yeah. In sort of automatically, here is this thing happening. He says, "Well, let's call a day of fasting and repentance." Yeah. And in in the sense of, and this is what I love about Joel, it's almost like we now see. What the mind of a, of a man is when you are living in response to the scripture? Yeah. What is the yeah. scriptural response to this? What would God have us to do? I'm familiar with all the other stories yeah. and the prophets. This is what we do. Yeah, that's right. And he, and he references these other. Yeah. These, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's right. So he he describes the um, 
he describes the locust uh, plague, you know, in, in in at the start. In chapter you one. Know, Hear this, you elders, has anything like this ever happened in your days, the days of your own? Tell, tell it. And what what uh, what this locust this locust swarm has left, and and so it describes the basically describes um, horrendous, this. horrific, and um, and then he he calls the people uh, to. Rep- I think he, um, as I said, he doesn't directly say this is because of this or that. Yes, uh, but he says this. He describes it in the first twelve chapters. Um, in in judgment kind of language. Yeah. Sorry, 12 verses. Uh, 12 verses, sorry. And then he says in verse 13, put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn well, you who minister before the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth. Sackcloth has caused this coarse uh, cloth um, that would be a sign of... um, uh, uh, It was a sign of repentance, really. Because you're causing yourself discomfort. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, you would do... Outward things like you would tear your clothes and and you would pour dust on your head and these are customary ways of expressing uh, expressing grief. Grief, you know, in these in this time was often expressed. Uh, it, it was a, a corporate. It was expressed corporately. Even if someone in your family died, people would join you and everyone would join in yeah. in a very uh, outward. Uh, Gestures of of mourning, wringing of hands, and rocking and dropping, you know, dust on your head, and wearing sackcloth, and and um, and and there would even be music, you know, that there would be, to help you actually, yeah. you know, there would be loud wailing and and this sort of thing. So it was really that it really got it out there, which in some ways quite sort of healthy. But interesting thing here is that he is saying, let's let's do this, let let's get together. Um, so he says in verse 14, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders, all who live in the land, to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Um, so he, now, he, is this in response to, because, okay, so we see in the first, what is it, the first 12 verses mm-hmm. is this this incredible, harsh, never, never seen before locust plague that comes through, yeah. devours the land. But he uses language that is a little bit like, is, is he really just talking about a, a a locust? Is he talking about another people group? Is he, you know, he's a, there's, yeah, a, there's a bit of discussion about this. In yeah. The, initially, most people think that it's actually there was a literal locust plague. Okay. But this, see, this is this interesting thing that happens in prophetic writings. <laughs> you know, there's this, this is happening now, but we're going to use this imagery to picture something that's going to happen in the future. Oh, that's definitely chapter two. The yeah, next yeah, chapter yeah, he uses yeah. Chapter two, definitely. Oh, yeah. So, so suddenly, suddenly, locusts. Suddenly, it's an army. Yes. Yeah. And, and described as locusts. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, and and then, uh, so, but, but even that seems to be like maybe something in the near future, maybe, or, mm-hmm. or I mean, still perhaps. Distant, but not necessarily real end times yes. uh, sort of stuff. But then he does go there as well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord, as yes. the prophets often did. So he's picking up a lot of a lot of themes here. Uh, he's uh, he picks up on this, like the call to um, to repent in 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 this in these customary ways. And we, and we should also we should also say that the book of Joel is three chapters of poetry. Yeah, it's not just you know, thus sayeth the Lord, and he wrote it as is. Yeah. And it's not like a diary entry. Yeah, that's right. It's not a it's not a, a journalistic type yeah. of thing or a thing. It's in 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 the original language. 
and in most Bibles you'll see it, you know, sort of staggered stanza-wise. Yeah. It's it's poetry how it's how it's yeah, being that's expressed. Right. Yeah. And and he he is he's calling uh he's calling the nation to this. Um I I I was struck by this as a as a this is happening. I mean, because in one sense, we should just if something bad happens to you, you shouldn't just automatically oh, I'm being punished for something. You shouldn't yes. that's I, you know, you shouldn't automatically think that. But at the same time, it's it's always, always appropriate yeah. to say, you know, there's probably something going wrong in yeah. my life. Like like best to yeah. best to just assume that. The, yeah. So and it doesn't, it's not like um something happens, therefore, you know, this is directly related to this. Mm. But bad things happen in my life. Um sometimes that can act as a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. Uh, and and it can cause us to look at our lives and to think, hang on, what what foundation am I standing on? Because it's being shaken right and, now. And, the, and this is a great example of yeah. Joel because he doesn't say, now let's repent because we did X Y Z. Yeah, he doesn't say, you know, you you've been, he just says let's repent. Let's repent. You know, and I love yeah. well, I love this even more. He has a corporate, and we see this time and time again. And I love yeah. the fact that the Old Testament finishes with this a corporate call to repentance. Yeah. and then he says towards the end. He repents as well. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, the right. The prophet yeah, Joel yeah. repents as well yeah. in the midst of it. I think. This well, is- we saw the same thing with both Ezra and Nehemiah, didn't we? Yeah, that that they uh, they provide this wonderful example of godly leadership where they don't separate themselves from those that they're calling to repent. Yeah. So it's it's a real community thing. It's like if if there are problems in the community, in the case Ezra's case, he confesses it as though it was he, as though that was him. Yes. Um, and. Uh, so, so there's there's very much this corporate way of thinking, which is why you know if, if if things are going wrong, let's all get together and let's let's cry out to God. Um, but let's do it genuinely. I mean, there's that classic statement here: uh, "Rend your hearts, uh, rend your heart, and not your garments." In uh, Joel two verse thirteen. Yes. Um, uh, you know, this is not, let, let's not just go through the motions. I'm not yeah. calling for a ceremony where we just. This is Joel, you know, it's saying I'm, I'm not calling just for a ceremony where we go through the motion. Let's really, really return to God yeah, well, with all of our hearts. And, th- and that's the flip side of this being inside a culture where yeah. there is a, a culture of repentance. Yeah. As you said, there was music. There were people yeah. joining you. Yeah. There was sackcloth to put on. Yeah. There was all this outward show yeah. to show that you've got repentance. There's an amazing amount of positivity yeah. around that, culturally yeah. being able to do that together, yeah. uh, you know, therapeutically, all those type of things. Yeah. The flip side, we get into Chapter 2. Yeah. The flip side is you can totally go through the motions with all of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can. I mean, the other interesting thing with with Chapter 2 is the transition to – from locusts to, to an actual army, yeah. and and it begins there, saying "blow the trumpet." You know, so this isn't now an alarm. This is no longer something that has happened. Yeah. Uh, this looks like he's. It's it's as though, um, I mean, it's really. This is the nature of prophecy, isn't it? It's quite. It can be quite cryptic. You're not sure. Hang on, is he, is he still talking about something past? Yes. It's this prophetic foreshortening. Everything one, one. Something that looks like judgment is is foreshortened in a way that uh, sort of reminds us of the fact. In this case, look, judgment is coming. <laughs> it's yes. like whatever this was about. Yeah. Let let this remind us that there's, that there's worse. a yeah. big shake up coming, yeah. right? Because they're all shaken at this stage. Yeah. And 
as we've said, he doesn't relate it to anything. He's, he's not saying this is di- directly because you, you have sinned, but he's saying this reminder, this has really shaken us up, and God's going to keep doing this sort of thing. Like, um, and uh, and you know, we're going to really need to return to God, and and so um, this locust plague becomes this kind of picture of uh, a judgment that's coming. And, it, and it's to the, again, the reason why I mentioned before, and I think you alluded to it as well, Matt, the, the, the reason why I mentioned that this is poetry, not only is it prophecy, which sometimes yeah. we're left scratching our heads going, yeah. man, life prophecy is hard yeah. to understand, yeah. but it's also poetry, yeah. which is full of metaphor and over-the-top yeah. language and yeah. hyperbole. Yeah. And I love it when he and, he and he comes in swinging in Chapter 2, right at the beginning, a, the day of the Lord is coming, it is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a cl- day of clouds and thick darkness like blackness. Yeah. There is spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful people. Never be, you know, You've never seen yeah. anything like them before. There will never anything be like this afterward. Before them, the land looks like Eden. After them, it is desolate, like yeah. fire. Before, like it's humongously, like. So we, he's picking yeah. up on a he's picking up on a on a theme. I mean, a lot of that language is used uh, is used elsewhere, and of course, Jesus uses this language uh, when he's, um, uh, you know, when he's uh, talking in in Matthew chapter twenty four, and so this is. Um, this is this transition here mm. from something that looks like judgment in the present, but let this be let this remind us, in a, in a sense, he's saying that there is this great, uh, there is this judgment coming, mm. um, and and that you know we need to batten down the hatches. Let's return to God. Let's make sure we're right with God, so that we won't be swept away mm. uh, when this judgment comes. And like. In, in a way, um, it's not even just a final judgment. I mean, interestingly, in Matthew chapter 24, when he talks about, um, you know, the heavenly body shaken and, the, mm. and like there he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD in that, in that context. Uh, it, it may be that he bridges in there again. He does this short, foreshortening thing where he uh, – um, that's a whole – that's another question. Let's mm. not get into Matthew 24. <laughs> um, but – uh, yeah, but you get this, uh, you get this foreshortening thing happening, and it's like I think I think the message here is that things are going to happen in the future uh, that are, are going to really shake things up, and are going to sort out the wheat from the chaff, and ultimately that's going to happen at the end of the age. But it does happen actually, mm. uh, at intermittently throughout. Like in in Jesus' teaching, he saw. The destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, when he prophesied forward, and you know even said this is going to happen within this, in this generation, Matthew 24, um, you know he saw that as as a sort of a precursor judgment to the final judgment. You know, yeah. so it's like you, you get these you get these smaller judgments, and and it's it, it underscores for the prophets, it underscores the fact that we're going to be tested. Um, there's going to be times of testing. Mm. I mean, it, throughout the New Testament, talks about that not just as a distant thing, but as an immediate thing. Yes, and um, and and that you know, this is not even. It's not always things that God directly causes, or it's certainly it's things that God allows. 
uh, and, we, and we see the response that but we should these have. These times of testing, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in a sense, this is what uh, this is what is happening here, and, and it'll sort out the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. So he's saying, so let's let's make sure we get ourselves right with God. Uh, and this is why I say I love Joel. Like this, three chapters is like a a meta. Uh, you know, template for yeah. what a lot of this day of the Lord and prophecy yeah. is about. You have something that is happening now or in history, yeah. the, the 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 locusts. Yeah. You have that being yeah. applied directly to the future, this day of the Lord, where you can't even fathom it. And the same response of repentance yeah. is is called for in the future. Yeah. And it gets to it gets to the maximum height about halfway through chapter two there towards where it's like, you know, who can endure he asks the day of the Lord is terrible. Who can yeah, endure it? Yeah. God calls for repentance. They're, they're repenting, like you already mentioned. Yeah. They need to render their hearts this time, not just their garments. Yeah. And then and then at the pinnacle, the prophet cries out in verse 17, spare your people. These are your people, yeah, O yeah. Lord. And then and then we have the transition. Yeah, then the Lord answers. And, and it's, oh, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> it is. It's just so good. You know, I, I this this is what really struck me about about Joel, and it really did it it really hit me in a really fresh way. This this sense that like what God really wants, like He knows that we're all messed up, right? He, like we're fooling ourselves if if we think we haven't got issues, right? So it's like God saying, "Look, I know you've got problems, and it's like it's not even anything specific here. I just know you've got I know you've got." Problems. I yeah. know that there are issues in your life, and and you know I, I know that there that, you know there is there are ways in which you're doing the wrong thing. Like it's not a matter of being good enough for for God because we're all not good enough. You know, all of sin and fall short of the glory, glory of God. So, uh, what God really wants is for us to agree with Him on that. Yeah. I want you to I, like. I see this stuff in your life. Do you see it? Yeah. And and the mo it's this is what he's really calling for here. It's like let's agree with God because you actually what God is looking for is not righteous people. He's not looking for righteous people. So if you if you look at your life and you think, oh, I'm just not good enough. I'm such a failure. I'm. It's like yeah, well, God knows that. But the question is, what does God really want? And what God really wants, and it doesn't matter how many times you've sinned and how bad it is or what. It's what God really wants is you just to. Confess that and bring it to him in in an attitude of penitence. Mm. Um, penitence being sorry, you know, you're sorry about uh, about that. In 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 that you are agreeing because God is sad about the things in our lives that conflict with His will, mm. and He wants us to be sad about that. And when we agree with Him, that becomes the gateway to new joy because it's like the gateway to renewed connection. So it's like. This, this is what struck me that God is saying, "This is what I want. I don't want. I, I'm not looking for righteous. I'm not looking for righteousness because I know you can't produce it. What I'm looking for is for you to agree with me that you are in the wrong. Like, let, just come to me and in, in this place of humility, rend your gar- rend, rend your hearts. You know, be sorry. It's the broken spirit and the contrite heart of of, of Psalm 51. You know, the psalmist says." You do not delight in sacrifices or offerings. Or surely I would bring it, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And it's like that's God saying, "That's what I want you to bring." I know, I, I know you can't bring, you know, a sacrifice of a righteous life, and so bring bring the broken spirit and the contrite heart, and that becomes the offering. And that again just just struck me. It's like, yeah, I can bring that. I can bring that to God. 
uh, I have that thing to bring. Mm. And I think the reason why people, I mean, the reason why we, we don't connect with God isn't because we're not righteous. It's because we don't do this. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't turn back to God in this attitude of penitence and, and just lay it all out before him. And that, that becomes the gateway to connection with God. That's what struck me about this all over again. And, and then, as you said, following this prayer, you get the Lord's answer. Like, it's like this moment, the moment you do that, the moment you do that, you get favour and grace and love and promise. It's this idea again that, again, this is again, like I'm going to keep saying this is my little thought that I had mm. reading Joel. It like summed it all up. It was like a yeah. summary of everything, you yeah. know, type of thing, where you you have this calamity befalls them. And, you know, chapter one, the past. Chapter chapter two, the weird day of the Lord in yeah, the future. Yeah. And then it, it goes on and it's crazy and crazy and crazy to the point where the prophet sort of as – you know, the leader or the or the spokesman says, basically says, remember the cover, like remember yeah. our promise. Yeah. You know, remember, yeah. we agree with you yeah. and everything like that. And boom, yeah. cha- changes. And not only do we see it change yeah. for the predicament of, of yeah. you know, the day of the Lord, and that's the second half of chapter yeah. two, where God goes, right, wipes out the armies, yeah. makes peace in the land, and not only makes peace in the land, says, right, my presence is now going to be with you yeah. and your your people. And then all of a sudden from that presence, we get even another weird future look yeah. at this other thing that yeah. happens with this amazing image of the future of yeah. how God wants to be with us. Yeah. it's uh, And that's the end of chapter two and yeah. chapter three is just yeah, amazing. That's right. Yeah. So initially, you know, God's answer is, you know, I'm sending you grain and you wine, olive oil and um, – so this is the immediate things. I mean, you know, he, he's saying, I'm going to restore, you know, I'm going to restore you. Um, I'm going to favour you. I'm going to bless you again. Um, and, so, and some of that is fulfilled yeah. in, their, in, the, in the listener's lifetime. Yeah, that's right, for, in the for Jerusalem. lifetime. But yeah. like as, in, as is always the case, <laughs> uh, this immediate blessings are a reminder of something even better that's coming. Mm. And... Um, and this is where he transitioned in verse 28. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, this is remarkable for a, for a couple, couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, who in the past had – if you're an Old Testament person – uh, and you and you're hearing this, you're thinking, oh, what like kings and prophets and priests because they were the ones that got anointed yes. and filled yes. with the Spirit. You know, yep. it was well known of David that he was 
you know, he was filled with God's spirit and yes. the spirit did not, you know, of, of, of there are stories of, you know, the judges where the spirit of God came upon them in power and they did certain things. Mm. And of course, the thing that's special about David is the spirit came upon him and, and didn't depart. Yes. And, um, and, you know, so kings were anointed and priests were anointed, you know, as this symbol of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So, and and of course, prophets, the whole, the spirit, it was well known that the spirit of God came upon prophets and yeah. caused them to prophesy. Uh, now, what's amazing about this is that this is saying no longer is this just going to happen to special special people. Yeah. I mean, look, anyone who believed and trusted in God, the spirit of God was at work in their heart, but this is a special sense of empowering, you know. Yeah. This is saying this is talking about an outpouring of the spirit is that is going to empower God's people to be kings and you know, like princes and yes. prophets and and and, uh, yeah. and and priests to to the world. So yeah. that's the significance of all people and so not just the priests and the prophets and the kings, but all people, not just uh, the, the men, because they were all men, but uh, the, your sons and daughters, yes. everyone. Yeah. Um, your servants and slaves. Yeah, everyone, know, every, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. your old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. That's, in other words, the fruit. It, you will be like the prophets. They're thinking, yeah. oh, what do you mean, like Isaiah and Jeremiah? Like, yeah. You mean we're going to know God <laughs> like like they did? Yeah. You know, Yeah. Uh, well, yes, that's right. That's the answer. You're going to know. You, you can, by his spirit, you can have this experience that Jeremiah and uh, and Isaiah and so forth had. So, um, and, th- and this is the again. We have to reiterate this again. This is beautiful poetry. It is. It is prophecy, and it transitions. If you're not concentrating. And even if yeah. you are concentrating, yeah. sometimes it transitions in the blink of an eye yeah. between what Joel is talking about for the people yeah. right then, yeah. and then it transitions yeah. into this, this point of the future, and then even then it transitions. And then again, that's right. Again, because verse thirty goes, "I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord." So, yeah. um, so, so naturally, the Jewish people based on this, thought that once there's this outpouring of the Spirit, that this would happen at the same time as this great and dreadful day of the Lord. Yeah. It's like this ultimate um, uh, separate, you know, this ultimate separation. Yes. Um, whereas as we know, uh, as we now know, yeah. um, G- Jesus consistently uh, really introduced this gap in, yes. in these uh, because uh, it's the same with, for example, Isaiah 61, the, the words that he read out in the in Luke chapter 4 we read about, you know, he read the scroll and, and he stops at one of these classic points where it goes from, uh, you know, the spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord is upon me to release the oppressed and so forth and, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he stops there because the next verse is, and the day of vengeance of yeah. our God. It's not yet. Because he's saying, that's not yet. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're, we're putting, yeah. we're, we're holding it right here. And it's the same thing here. So um, Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, John the Baptist said that. I, I baptize you with water, but after me is coming one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus did baptize his people uh, in, the, in the Holy Spirit. Um, in uh, we read about this, of course, in famously mm-hmm. on the day of Pentecost, Acts yes. chapter two, where you have the Holy Spirit coming upon them and this the symbol of uh, the, the fire, the, the, and they tongues saw of tongues of fire yeah. upon each person, and then th- they're they're speaking in these different languages. They're, it's this they're prophesying. Yes, 
uh, and praising God. And and there are signs and wonders and things like that. Yeah. And yet there isn't this day of the Lord coming about. They're, in, coming they're in this day of the Lord. Now, now when Peter explains of what's happening here, he quotes from Joel. Yeah. He said this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. There's like a, it's happened now. I mean, yeah. can you imagine that moment? Yeah. They have waited for this and this incredible event has happened. This has happened right now. Mm. Um, this is why uh, so much. there's so much effort given in the New Testament to uh, clarifying the fact that this d- ultimate day of judgment is still future. Yes, yeah. Um, it sounds to me, and again, I'm being, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to push your button here. Don't sounds- tell me I'm sounding dispensationalist. <laughs> <laughs> I, read- I can read your little line. You read, <laughs> you read my mind. I was going to poke you with that, with, with that hot poker. No, but again, we, we, we're, we're, both of us would say we're not. We're, we're dis- theology nerds, and we just made theology jokes. Yeah, exactly. all, everyone's saying, "What are they talking exactly. about?" Exactly. If you if you come from a background of dispensationalism, <laughs> you can have a laugh with us. But there, there is there is you know God deals basically dispensationalism is, is saying God deals with men at different times in different eras, you know, type of thing. And, you know, and again, that's Mm. to be argued about. But really, this is where we get the the concept of the church age where God is dealing with the Gentiles. And, and, And it's like... In the in the prophecy yep. of Joel, the church age doesn't really exist outside of this of this vision here, yep. where where God's spirit will be yep. with all all of these people, yep. and then and then again the same thing. It then eases in chapter chapter three, then goes into God defeating all the evil yep. amongst all the That's nations. Right. Wiping it out in this in this yep. great and terrible Lord, and then at the end of chapter three, we get this renewal. The same themes themes again yep. that we see in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, yep. Zechariah, a renewal of the new Eden. The earth is going to yeah. be renewed, and the yeah. greatest thing about the new Eden is that God Himself yep. will be the center of it, yep. and His blessing flows out and revives the yep. entire creation. Yeah, that's right. It's a oh. beautiful vision. Oh. It's a beautiful for such a short book. Man, yes, <laughs> I, it, it's just sensational. Going back to that, um, the the uh, that section from verse twenty eight in in chapter two. Yeah, I you know I think the church age is is strongly implied in there oh, because um, God pours out His Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now this implies that there is a minute that there's some kind of ministry that needs to happen now. Yes. So. Uh, and, and normally prophetic ministry happens in the lead-up to judgment. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it's not just this happens and then straight away you get, you get uh, the, the final judgment. Yeah. I think implied here is that there is going to be a period of time um, that, that is going to be this, uh, this um, age of the Spirit uh, in which God's people are, b- become the prophets to the nations. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's there, yeah. and, and and that will in preparation for uh, for the final judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that final judgment again. Then it slips. Like I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. It definitely encompasses now. Like yeah, we yeah, are yeah, in. Yeah, we're yeah. we're in that's in right. the space yeah. between these verses yeah. is us living right now. And then it slips into that. God again. This is what I love about it. Is like you know why I keep saying it's 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 like a shorthand yeah. for all prophecy, yeah. is that Joel then goes, but now let's deal. I, God says He wants to deal with His people again, the Jewish people again, yeah. and there's that concept of God dealing with the Jews yeah. at the end of at the end of chapter two, the beginning of chapter three. Yeah. It's all about okay, now Judah's going to do this. You're going to be brought to Jerusalem. Yeah. It's, it's that concept yeah. around that again. So it's 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 uh, it's like the focus is, is focusing in. It's focusing out. Yeah. 
uh, because the, the the broad focus is directly related to the to the uh, narrower focus yes. yeah. of God's covenant people. Then you know, um, uh, and and so um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that that dual thing is always there: present, future, the the, the narrow focus, the broad focus, and it goes from the one to the other. Um, this also, it's it's in 30 to the famous statement, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm, mm. This is when Peter um, uh, does his speech in on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I mean, this is where he goes. Um, that, you know, he, he calls everyone uh, to, you know, to come and... Uh, to, to come and give themselves back to God, be, based on this, because everyone who calls in the name, name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. So again, this comes back to this idea: here is this here is this age of the Spirit um, that is uh, leading up to this time of ju- this time of judgment, in which, in this spirit, everyone everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. Saved from what? From this judgment. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Uh, it's it's all there in this in this short book, and that's when he goes out and he goes he talks about um, the you know the coming judgment of the nations. Oof. And in, that is in chapter that is, three, that, chapter the first the sixteen first sixteen verses of chapter three has yeah like again like just heavy yeah and it's like, judgment it's judgment language uh, actually here it it look. In chapter three, it looks like the judgment is actually on the nations that are attacking yes. God's people because uh, he talks about it as as the day of uh, what is it? he said I will put them on trial yeah um, uh, and and this is the um, uh, what does he call it uh, multitude it's, he calls it the valley of decision where they all yeah. gather for yeah. war it's and 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 by decision means verdict yeah like this yeah. is going to be a valley of, you're going to see my verdict yeah. You see in, what happens when in, you rebel yeah, in, in, yeah. in the uh, yeah, the valley of Jehoshaphat or mm-hmm. um, uh, Megiddo or yep. uh, Armageddon, if, if you want to connect it with, which I think we we can connect it through to Revelation yes. chapter nineteen. So I think this is what he's uh, at least I think Revelation nineteen is taking this kind of imagery and um, and projecting it forwards to a like a final decisive battle. Mm. In the future, and, and and it's pretty clear. Like he 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 he. The, when I say he, mm. the Lord God yeah. through the prophet yeah. lays out pretty clearly. Yeah. You know what what they what they've said. And again, that attitude. And I know we're not supposed to glorify in what some people like to call about call the Old Testament God. You know they yeah. go, oh, you know that Old Testament God. Yeah. He's pretty heavy. He's pretty heavy metal. He's yeah. pretty he's pretty hardcore. Yeah. The first sixteen verses of this, I absolutely yeah. love. Yeah, I, I love, I love this divine judgment and this heavy, you know, like calling into account these people who have done horrific stuff before the Lord, yeah. and 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 even the attitude when he when when God says, I think it's in verse four, he says he mentions the the places that we've come to know, the yeah. bad yeah. places we've come to know, <laughs> and he says, "Are you paying me back for something?" Yeah. Well, if you are, get ready because I've yeah, got, yeah, I, right. I've got yeah, the I've yeah. got the judgment for you. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. and you know the wine press. I'm going to tread out the wine press. Yeah. I'm bringing the sickle yeah. because the harvest is ready, and I'm yeah. taking it all down. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's it's look. I know you know to some people it seems harsh. Like oh, gee, you know, like God is a loving God. How could He do this? Yeah. That's a very, uh, like I, I think that perspective comes from. 
our unusually comfortable, uh, you know, Western, Western kind of yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah. Because actually, the, the the real dilemma for people in this time wasn't how could God do these things to people. Yeah. The real dilemma for them is why isn't God doing something like that? Like 100%, you remember, 100%. it's again and again and again. Yeah. The real faith dilemma isn't, oh, how could God do these acts of judgment, you know, which for a lot of people, but for them, these people are at the coal face of reality. I mean, they're actually suffering the full brunt of evil like we could not imagine. And the the dilemma for them is why isn't God judging evil? And this is echoed in Revelation, at the beginning of Revelation, when God says, the prayers of the martyr, I'm full, it's full, bing, yeah. Full, full tank, let's go. Yeah, that's you know, right. Thing. Yeah. And I tell you what, I, I just finished reading a piece, uh, uh, you know, this week from two, I think two or three different organisations who deal with Christian persecution around the world. Yeah. And they said 2019 will be the worst year Truly. for years for Christian persecution. They named the countries. There's a few countries in Africa and different, you know, a couple of Islamic wow. places. And they're saying ex- we expect China to get worse in this year for true persecution yeah. against true Christians wow. than better. 2019 yeah. looks to be a very dark year yeah. for Christian persecution. So the Christians who are suffering yeah, right yeah, now exactly. at the hands yeah, of these yeah. governments and people, they're reading these verses very differently yeah, yeah. Oh, to us who are, comfortably, who are comfortably sitting back yeah. going, yeah. You know, oh God, we want yeah. you to be a nice, loving and God. Not, and it's not. I mean, I think of the um, imprecatory psalms or imprecatory psalms, however you want to put that. That are, are prayers for judgment. You know, that God come and de- destroy all the evildoers, right? Now, some people read expressions like that and they say, "Oh, that's not really. That's not really. Aren't we meant to be loving?" And and uh, you know, but you know, when when you are carrying the trauma of of having suffered such evil, you've got to do something with that. You've got to take that to God and take the anger and the injustice and take it to God. And because, I mean, it's uh, a lot of people look at the imprecatory psalms that do this and they say, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. Like we shouldn't pray prayers like this anymore, uh, you know, asking for God to, um, you know, to judge all the evildoers. Well, in fact, in the book of Revelation, we have a prayer in heaven, not even by imperfect people yes. in the world, but in yeah. heaven we have this prayer of the martyr saying, how long, O Lord, uh, yeah. until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? In, uh, is it Revelation chapter 5? Yeah, uh, early, early in Revelation. Yeah, yeah, I think it's around chapter 5. It's the the souls under the altar. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. they, and they're praying this this prayer of vengeance, you know, this isn't. In other words, it's, and it's a classic imprecatory prayer, yeah. which is anticipating and longing for final but, judgment. This, this, I can guarantee, anyone who suffers evil, yeah. like, you know, again, I mean, and I'm not talking about petty disputes over domestic no, issues, no, uh, but the real, real cold face of it. I can, you, this perspective. That one day, yeah. God is going to do what He's going to bring justice, and, and even even is, like you yeah, need that hundred yeah. percent. Like even I was just reading the, uh, James, reading you know yeah. the book of James, and James says, you know what God really long, you know, talking about God's heart. Just he talks about God being a God of justice and yeah. a God of righteousness yeah. again and again and again, and it's like yeah, we forget sometimes right. yeah. we sometimes forget this, and he makes it. God makes it very clear here at the end of chapter three, the end of this short little book. He says. 
you know, the blood that is in the soil that you have all forgotten that no uh, one yeah. remembers. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I remember every yeah, everything. Every, everything. That's and right, I'm yeah. going to bring the judgment down. Yeah. I'm bringing the hammer down for everything suffered because of the innocent yeah. that were killed. And that the importance of this perspective as it is here in Joel 3 and all over the place, yeah. I may say, and throughout the prophets, including the New Testament and um, in the book of Revelation very much so, this is an important perspective because it means that this is God saying, vengeance is mine. You know, the classic, vengeance is mine, yep. says the Lord. So what this means is, is that for you and I, it's God is saying, look, I'm promise, I promise you that vengeance is coming. Yep. I, th- th- there, will be, uh, there will be this retributive justice. Um, but it's not your job and it's not my job. It's not our job to take vengeance. Uh, our job is to um, transform lives by showing grace. Mm-hmm. But in order to actually do that, we have to do something with, you know, we need this perspective. Uh, we have to do something with with our, uh, you know, the, the indignation that comes from suffering evil. It's mm-hmm. like take that to God, uh, give that to God, and God speaks this assurance over the trauma of those who suffer evil. He mm-hmm. says, uh, like, I'm going to deal with evil. Be sure of that. Yeah. But for you... It's you've got to. You need to forgive. You need to. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. This is um, Paul's, yeah, the, the, Paul's the, words in 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 chapter twelve. Yes. Do not be yes. overcome with evil, but over, overcome evil with good. Yeah. yeah. And he and may I say he quotes from the Old Testament yeah. to make that point. This isn't a new novel, New Testament idea. Yeah. He quotes. You know, a couple it. of places in the that. Old Testament. I love that. Okay, as we wrap up, we're running out of time. As we wrap up the book of Joel, uh, you know. This concept that the past gives us a pattern that makes us turn to God to give us the mercy and the hope that we need to, and then it all becomes a pattern and and an image of the future of how we should live. Is you know anything you want to wrap us up with, Matt, as as we as we finish off the Book of Joel this week? We understand the present in the light of the future. This is, in fact, the Bible really creates the sense of history that we have now. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else in all other cultures um, there is this cyclical view of history. It's just it's the same things happen again and again and again and there's no sense of it going anywhere. What the Bible gave to us, that's one of the reasons why our, our, you know, our dating system is based on a Christian, uh, comes from a, a really um, – this Christian worldview, yeah. uh, is it gives us this idea that history is going somewhere. There's going to be a culmination of history. And that's really important, uh, I think, for us, and I've been reminded how important it is for me to live my life in the present, in the light of what's coming in the future. Because it's it's so easy to get caught up in now and, and just get immersed in now. And, you know, when bad things happen, going right back to the beginning of Joel, mm. it's like, oh, uh, we can think, no, this is terrible. This is disturbing my little heaven here. And you're reminded, no, hang on a minute. This isn't heaven. Uh, we're on earth, right? And the earth is a really messed up place. And we're in the same boat as everyone else uh, because we've been anointed by God's spirit, Joel chapter 2, to bring this prophetic message to everyone else, right? So it's important that we're in the same boat. So let's just be reminded that this is all going somewhere. We're not just here to tread water and uh, we have been given this prophetic ministry and uh, and we, we are going to be called to account for what we did with what we were given. And um, this isn't about 
being perfect and being the perfect servant of God, um, there is in the present, there is this imperative. We, there's something for us to do. We've been called, as Joel chapter 2 uh, alludes to, we've been anointed with God's spirit, not just so that we can have a little Holy Spirit party for, uh, with ourselves, yeah. but so that we we can actually be prophets to the nations, right, to, to everyone around us, so we can reflect God to those around us and draw people to the salvation of Christ. And... Um, and that's really important in the present to know that the present has that's what the present really is all about. that's what life's all about and having this goal is seeing history as having this goal reminds us of that but also i think that and and i think this is where i want to finish is that what does god really want what does god want the most of the people that we speak to what does god want the most of us he just wants us to agree where we get it wrong. He wants us to agree with him in that and he wants just to come back to him because Jesus Christ has made a way. He's not looking for perfection. He knows that we're imperfect. Jesus Christ has made a way through his sacrificial death for us to come back to God. And the call of of Joel is, well, then just come back. Don't mess about with this. Just come back and tell everyone else to come back and everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So there you have it, the book of Joel. Can't believe that we finished that in one episode. Hopefully you were as encouraged and edified as I was in having that conversation with Matt, uh, going through the book of Joel. What an amazing short little book, three chapters you will fly through it. It's just a few minutes to read there, but I tell you, you can spend an entire lifetime going through it. Now, like I said, we would love you to support what we do. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. That's thrivetoday.net.au. That's our home online and everything that we are doing both uh, right now, as far as this podcast goes, the Thrive uh, Daily Devotional that you can uh, purchase both both physically and digitally. It's all right there and available to you. And I'm very excited because very soon, very soon in 2019, we're going to have a whole new section of Thrive there. Thrive Equip. If you want to know a little bit more about that, a little bit of a teaser there for you, you've got to head over to thrivetoday.net.au and take a look. Well, until next week, this has been DJ Payne. On behalf of Matt and the whole crew behind the scenes, we thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend about the podcast and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive. Thrive.